This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Hello, college football fans, and welcome to the Primetime Podcast. Money is Ricky Widmer, and as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And you might be saying to yourself, well, guys, we got a little bit of a conundrum here. I can't see you guys this week. I can only hear you, and I see that dang Primetime Podcast logo again up on the YouTube channel. If you're on SoundCloud, you're like, Ricky, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. You sound fine to me. That's because we're no longer on camera. Well, at least for this week, Brandon, we are not on camera for this Pac-12 preview. And I think that's actually a really big letdown for all the all the viewers. I, I think they really enjoy looking at us. I mean, we, we look pretty good. Well, we always look good. That's right. Some some more than others, cough, cough, me. But the the reason that why... That you look better? Yeah, I always look better. Sure. I'm, I'm the best-looking guy at MVP. No, I... I um, yeah. Uh-huh. I think so. I mean, at least uh, my body's a little bit more proportionate than uh, some. Sean, I'm looking at you. Well, let's... Well, we can say this. It's probably tough to get cold quick. Yeah, it's tough to get cold quick. But the reason why we are not on video is it takes a ton of time to edit, and we don't have the time right now. So we're going to be having one podcast a week be the video podcast until we can get some more subs and then get some more time and devote some more time to editing because it's just a longer process with video. So until then... We're back to the old kind of way of doing things for this week. And Brandon, before we start, I got to ask you, how was your 4th of July, man? You know, it was really nice. It it was really nice. It was a weekend that went by very, very quickly. You got to hold up your hands uh, for me. You got all the digits? I've got... I've all got of them? you got all your fingers? four fingers on one hand, four fingers on the other, and then a thumb on each. No JPP up in here? No, no, and I haven't listened to his PSA yet, so no. I could have very well. I didn't listen to the PSA, so I could have very well done it I'll tell to you, myself because I didn't listen to I'll his PSA. I'll tell you one person who did not listen to his PSA, and that was Swaggy P of yes. the Lakers because he almost blew his hand off. Got lucky, though. Got, got real lucky because uh, he didn't. Blow no, his hand off in the I, end and of the day. And that's the one thing I don't get. And this is kind of a little side conversation before we get into our Pac-12 preview. But I, I don't know why anyone would be like, oh, there's a firework on the ground. Let me pick it up and hold it in the air. Because that seems like a smart idea to me. Yeah, you, I would. I don't know why anyone would think that that's going to be a, a good idea. But, um, yeah, apparently there's just some people who really think that uh, that's fun. And just for the people who couldn't pick that up, that was sarcasm for me. That's definitely not a good idea to do. But the show today, we're starting our conference previews. And I've said it twice already. I'm going to say it a third time. We're starting with the Pac-12. And the way we are going to roll through these is the first one to this week, we're going to be looking at the Pac-12. Then we'll look at the two losers of the college football playoff in the order of their ranking. Then we'll look at the ACC because Clemson was the runner-up. And then the last preview we will look at is the SEC because Alabama won the college football playoff. We may or may not touch the non-Power Fives the week after the SEC, but that's going to decide on if A, Brandon wants to do it, and B, you guys want us to talk about it. But really, it's going to be option A more than option B because you guys don't know how hard it is for Brandon to talk non-Power 5s. What's a non-Power 5? Like Houston. Who are they? 
<laughs> exactly, right? But we're going to be looking at the Pac-12 for this week and just kind of a little bit of a rundown if you forgot how the records went. Stanford won the North. They were kings of the North. USC win in the South, tied with Utah. UCLA was right behind those two at 5-4. and four. Brandon, looking at this conference, we're going to start. Let's start with the North. We'll go with the North, then we'll go with the South, then we'll kind of give some predictions. Looking at the Pac-12 North, we already have looked at a team like Washington a few weeks ago, but what are you seeing from the Pac-12 North coming into 2016? Well, what I'm seeing early on is you're looking at a Stanford team who probably a lot of people right now are picking to win that North division. But this is a Stanford team that outside of, I think, Christian McCaffrey, you have some concerns. Mm -hmm. And I I think that part of that concern is who's going to play quarterback? Who is going to be the guy? Kevin Hogan's gone. He's now on the Chiefs. So they they draft him in about, what, the fifth round or something like that. He's on Kansas City now. He's gone. Who's going to be the guy they turn to? And I, I think that that's the big question right now. And it's it's Keller Christ, I believe, and Ryan Burns are going to be the two guys who are duking it out there. And I've read they're, they're good buddies off the field and stuff like that. But, but on the field, I mean, one of them is going to be the winner, and they both want to win that starting job. But you know what? I, I think that sometimes people, they get too um, scared about, you know, uh, Oh, 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 Hogan's gone, or or Andrew Luck's gone. What are we going to do? Andrew Luck left, Hogan replaces him. Hogan leaves, you know, who's going to replace him? But I think it's each time you get a quarterback or a running back, whoever it is, and they become a staple for you, and this is among all sports, especially football, basketball. Oh, no, he's gone. Who's going who's gonna to pick up that spot? And almost all the time, it ends up being someone good who then becomes the next staple, and people are getting getting upset and worried when they leave. So, you know, this is something to definitely look at. And I think that I wouldn't say it's necessary, necessarily a concern, but mm-hmm. it's something that I would keep an eye on is that quarterback competition and who is going to be the one to lead this team. Uh, because, again, you have Christian McCaffrey, the Heisman runner-up from last season, who will probably in, be in that conversation again this year if he continues with his stats that he had last year and even adds on to that. But I think right now the the number one spot you look at is that void at quarterback and who it's going to be. Well, and I mean the thing that I look at with – we'll look at Stanford because you brought him up is not only do they have that question at quarterback because whenever you're looking at – a team that's had a quarter. And this is a Stanford team that, remember, when Kevin Hogan came in, who was right before him? Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. Like, that's where we used to be with this Stanford Cardinal team. And coming in the last season, we weren't even sure if Stanford would be on the map. Now, that was more because of Oregon. We thought they would be a powerhouse last year coming off of their runner-up to Ohio State in the national championship the year before, but I'm going to look at one other aspect to this offense. You say it's the quarterback. Well, okay, great. Let's say Keller Chris gets the job. Well, what about that offensive line that they got to rebuild? They got to find the right mix of people for players, I should say, for that offensive line because if Chris comes in and he does a good job, like we've seen it with, I'm going to make a pro comparison. We've seen it, well, you being the fan and me being living here in the city, we've seen it with the Bears. We've seen what Jay Cutler 
has had to do without an offensive line. We've seen what that can do to a quarterback, even at the pro level. So if Stanford, is, it's like, it's going to be one of those things is, are we going to be able to find the right fit of players to put an offensive line ahead of whatever quarterback we go with? Or is it going to be, well, our offensive line is shite, so just use Christian McCaffrey as your main go-to weapon. And I think the thing here, too, is is that Stanford is never going to be counted out only because they've won 11 games four out of the last five years, mm-hmm. so they can't be a team that's going to be counted out, or even if they have question marks, they're question marks that quickly are answered. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that another thing, too, is you talked about it. They have three new starters on the offensive line. They are going to be retooling on defense. They lose linebacker Blake Martinez, Cody Whitfield um, in the secondary, and Ronnie Harrison, the quarterback, cornerback position. But this Pac-12 team is a team that I think you look at and you go, they're going to be okay. And Stanford right now, in an early top 25 poll, they're ranked number 12. They're in the top 15 and just outside of the top 10. This Stanford team is a team that had a chance, had a chance to be a college football playoff team last year. They just missed it. But I think that, again, with historically what they've done the last five years, and what they did last year with Christian McCaffrey and him coming back, you can't count this team out, and you can't even expect them to do worse than what they did last year. Someone different handing the football off to him, but it's still Christian McCaffrey, and it's still going to be a team that David Shaw is going to lead mm-hmm. to probably a 10-11 win season. Well, he's, and he being McCaffrey, he's going to make this team go. And I'm looking at an article here on Athlon Sports where it's, 12 numbers for each team, like 12 stats to look at. The one for Stanford is 3,903, and that is the amount of yardage that McCaffrey logged last season in 2015. He is going to be the reason why this team goes, but I want to take a look at the other team, and you're putting your finger up. you got one more thing to say. I've just Cardinal, got one more thing. You? One thing to take a look at at Stanford they're going to have a couple of tough road uh, road games. They mm-hmm. play on the road at Washington, on the road at Notre Dame, at Oregon, at UCLA. Those are some tough games, uh, pretty good games. But I, I think that you know one to watch for sure, Stanford-Washington, because Washington is being touted so highly this year because of what they've got and what Coach Chris Peterson has going on there with that group of guys. So I think that that's definitely a game to watch. Notre Dame's always a good one. Mm -hmm. Oregon, we'll see how they are. We will see how they are this year. And then UCLA, who I'm excited to see as well. And before we move on to the next team, I kind of want to touch on in the north, I feel like we didn't give enough love to the defense. So I'm going to throw out there, the offense is going to be where all these questions are. For Stanford, with the defense, they're going to lean on the defense a little bit more. Nice mix of defensive backs in the secondary and then you've got a top-line defensive lineman, 10.5 tackles for loss last season in Solomon Thomas. But to me, the big question for this North division is what can we expect from the Oregon Ducks in 2016? Because you look at last season for the Ducks, it was 9-4 and four overall, 7-2 and two in the Pac-12. But the way I look at it, Vernon Adams was supposed to be the guy to take over for Super Marcus Mariota was supposed to bring you back to 
the ship with this system, was it just an off year? Was it, okay, we need to find a better option at quarterback? What do the Ducks need to do to get back on top in the north? Well, I think they need to find a quarterback. And I think that they, they think they may have found him in a Montana State transfer, and that is Dakota Prukup. And I think that once they have that, because the quarterback position, we just talked about it with Stanford, it is just a vital position, especially in college football. And I think that it was really shaky for Oregon last year. It was very shaky for Oregon last year mm-hmm. because Vernon Adams, like you said, was supposed to be the guy. He gets hurt, then it's off and on, then Oregon is up, they're down. They end up being okay at the end of the season last year, but I, I, I think that it's going to be really interesting. We've got Royce Freeman, who's going to probably kill it again this year, but then you've kind of got to look and see how are they going to be on the defensive side of the football? And you've got, you've just got to take a look at that and see, you know, is this defense going to be able to, going to be able to carry us? Well, you do know the newest addition they have on defense this year is Brady Hoke, the ex-Michigan head coach. So, I mean, you can make all the insert Brady Hoke joke here that, he couldn't live up as a head coach at Michigan, but they're hoping he could be the huge boost for the struggling defense of Oregon because it's not that good. They, like This is a team that's known, and Oregon fans will probably be like, oh, no, no, you're wrong, but this team has been offense first. Let's beat you with the quick punches to the mouth from our offense, and then the defense just kind of does what it do, and you blow out teams each and every week. That's how Oregon goes if you want to, like, that's their system. That's how it's implanted on the game. And then another thing, too, you lose some huge guys. DeForest Mm -hmm. Buckner, Tyson Coleman, Joe Walker, Rodney Hardrick, big names. You'll fill the spots. We'll see how it goes. But I, I think that really this Oregon team is one you know, people probably get upset sometimes when you focus so much on, on one side of the football over the other. But I think for Oregon, it's that offense. Mm-hmm. Because are you going to be electric on offense? Two years ago, they were electric on offense. Last year, no, they weren't. They were hurt. They were injured. They had guys not perform to the to the point that they, that they should. I, I think that it really... That's going to be the thing to watch. It is for me. It is for me. I am very interested to see this quarterback, Dakota Prukup. I'm interested to see what he does mm-hmm. for Oregon because last year they just could not. They couldn't lean on Vernon Adams. He's, they thought they could. He just he couldn't do it. Well, and it's for Prukup. It's going to be the biggest challenge that he's going to have to face is making the jump from FCS to FBS. And the thing that if he can make this jump and be successful at the highest of levels, because really Power 5 is the highest that you could go in college football, really it's the fact of, okay, what are you going to be? Are you going to stay at an FCS school? And if you're great, you're basically Carson Wentz, where, yeah, you're the second overall pick, but there are 
normal Joe Schmoes out there that are saying, hey, you know what, you're only an FCS quarterback. You're not going to be that good. And the guy picked above you was playing at the highest level in Jared Goff, who played actually in the Pac-12 Power 5 Conference. So, yeah, Prukup's how he's going to fit in and whether he's going to be the guy this year is important. But I've said it before. I said it on our, I want to say it was either an X-Factor podcast or the podcast before that, a guy that this offense is going to have to lean on is Royce Freeman. He is go- The running back is going to be the guy that this offense has to lean on in order to have some kind of a success. Because if Freeman can get going, taking some pressure off of Perk. Off of Dakota, I almost said his name, his last name wrong. I'm just going to skip it and say the first name in Dakota. But if Freeman can take some pressure off of him, that'll just help him and be like, okay, okay, I don't have to get stressed out now because I've got a running back that's helping me out. Exactly, and I think, too, another thing to look at with Oregon is if they do not perform, who is on the hot seat? Mark Helfrich. Mark Helfrich, for well, sure. I mean, he he's... He's probably on the hot seat, and people would mm-hmm. say, really? He's on the hot seat after, what, just a couple of years there well, with the program? It's an interesting situation Oregon would be in because we are used to this system, and it is a system being handed down from one coach to the next. We're used to this system just winning each and every year. Where It's one of those things where it's like, okay, Oregon's back on top. Oregon's back in the in the Pac-12 title game. And I think another interesting thing is we mentioned Brady Hoke coming in as the new defensive coordinator. What that's going to bring to this team is they're no longer going to be a 3-4, two-gap defense. They are now switching to a 4-3, one-gap defense. So to me, I see that and I go, okay, you have a new quarterback coming in. We saw how last year, how a new quarterback kind of struggled with this system, a transfer quarterback, I should say, and now you've got a defense that not only is it struggling, but now this defense has to, for the upperclassmen, all they've known is this 3-4, now they got to switch to a 4-3. So there could be some more struggles for this defense, and I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon is third in the north this year. Third, maybe fourth. Maybe fourth. And then you look at uh, defensive end Henry Mondo mm-hmm. filling in in the shoes of DeForest Buckner. So how will he fare? Those are the questions. And, again, you know, for some of these guys, they step in and it's like, wow. It's like the other guy never left. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes guys step in and it's like, wow, why is he playing? And before we move on, there's two – to me there's only two teams – I want to touch on in the north before we move on to the south, and they both come from the same state. And the reason why, Brandon, and you can tell me to shove it if you feel like the two I'm going to skip over are actually important, I don't think we need to talk about Oregon State or Cal. Cal lost Jared Goff. Bye-bye. Fine. You went 4-5, and 8-5. and five. Oregon State win a freaking conference game. You're talking we'll talk about the about bottom it. two teams yeah. in the division. Yeah. yeah. Whereas – the two teams I want to look at are the two teams. One, one of them we talked about, what was it, last week? A couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago could be the second-best team in this division in Washington, and a team who was the third-best team last year could be lurking to be the second-best team in Washington State. 
Let's start with the Washington Huskies because it's going to be a brief conversation because we already spent an entire, almost an entire podcast on it in the past. But can Washington win the North? I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Can they win the North? Well, Washington I already have slated as one or two. I already have them slated as it's one or two. It's them or Stanford, and, right? And, They're the and, favorites. And, and why is it? It's their defense. Mm-hmm. If for nothing else, it's their defense. I mean, they return all America candidates and in multiple positions. And I think that's huge, especially when you're talking um, secondary. That's that's humongous. You bring in a very good linebacking core. That's going to be big. I think this Washington de- this Washington team could win alone on their defense. I mean, we look at what their offense did last year, and you look at two guys coming back, Jake Browning, Miles Gaskin. These guys will be good. We saw what mm-hmm. they could do as freshmen. They're just sophomores. This Washington team should be really excited. If they can stay away from injuries, I think that's big. Well, and that's exactly it. And the thing that, I mean, I was kind of bummed out as I was re-listening to our podcast when we talked about the Huskies. I'm like, we did we did not give enough love to Chris Peterson. No. Did not give enough love to Chris Peterson coming in from Boise State, making the jump from he because remember he was a head coach where it was like, oh Boise State, they ever going to get to a national title? Probably not. Not Power Five. He goes, fuck it, I'm going to go into the Power Five because I know Boise State as a school is not going to make it into a, a Power Five conference, and this team. They're just to me. I just look at them and I go, they could be something special this year. And they're kind of hitting their stride at the right point in this because you kind of see that Oregon's kind of falling back, and that could be so beneficial to this Washington Husky team. To where both for Oregon and Washington, I'll say that's the most important game on their schedule. Is when those two teams play when they play each other because the winner of that game is most likely going to be the second best team unless Oregon just completely falls off the map and is like the fourth worst team behind Washington and Washington State. I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you, and I think that it's just going to be fun watching. It actually might be fun watching the Pac-12 this year, and people will say, Brandon, it's always fun. And I'll say I don't know. I'm asleep, but <laughs> I think that the but, mm-hmm. but that's a reason. That's this is a reason when you have good teams, when you have talent, when you put the you know both these teams up against each other. Like you said, the big game Stanford and Washington September 30th. That's a huge game. People are going to stay up for that. People are going to stay up for that game. And I think that if there's anything that the Pac-12 can do mm-hmm. to make that game more prime time for the mm-hmm. rest of the United States, that would be ideal because a game like that people want to watch. And I know we talked a lot about we talked a lot about the offense the last time we touched the Washington Huskies, but for me, the thing that's going to drive them. You know how I said Royce Freeman was kind of like the X factor for the Oregon Ducks. Well, the X factor for the Washington Huskies is going to be that defense because not only did they they were the top defense in the Pac-12 last year, led the league in points per game with 18.8, 
But I'm going to give you one further stat within that points per game, 11.4. That's the opponent scoring average for Washington in games that they won. So in games that they're winning, their opponent is scoring maybe a touchdown and a field goal. Maybe not even that. That's incredible. In college in college football, that is incredible to be able to hold teams. And that was seven times. To all that, yeah. Seven wins last year. Yeah, mm. and, 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 and they improve on that big time this year. And to me, it's one of those things where it, we'll move over really quickly into Washington State. And the only reason why I want to touch them is I just want you to answer the question, could they be the dark horse of the North? Are they the true dark horse of the North in the Pac-12? You know, um, I, I think that... Or is it Stanford, Washington, forget everybody else? To be honest with you, I, I know that this sounds really, really stupid. And You're going to say Stanford, Washington, forget everybody else. No, no. I, I'm going to say that as much as we're talking about Washington mm-hmm. and giving them all this love and, and, and all this credit and everything like that, and, and people are finally starting to find out about them We're and crying blah, them blah, too blah, soon. and everything like that, I still think that Washington be a dark horse and even better than what oh, we're thinking. okay, the other side of it. That's, that's kind of what I'm, I'm thinking right now because right now the Washington Huskies are ranked 19th in a very early top 25 poll. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that you know we probably you know a lot of people could say okay I could see Washington around you know fifteen or twelve or something like that. Who knows? Could they be that dark horse that that Utah type team of what we saw from Utah last year and be a top five, but actually stick in that top <laughs> five? I mean, poor Utah. Really, they they had a pretty good run last year, but then all of a sudden, boom. They hit the wall, they hit the wall, and and then it was over. But could Washington be that team where they don't hit that wall? Or they, they maybe they get tripped up a little bit, but they keep going. You know, I, I still think that Washington could be that team that's that dark horse. Seven and six overall last season. People could say, oh, I could see him winning nine, but what if they won 11? Then people are like, wow. Then they're getting more credit. Then they're getting more spotlight. I don't know. I just I think that people are giving Washington people, we certainly are, we're giving them a good look and saying this is a team that could be really good one or two in the North Division, but could they be even better than even what we're thinking? And could they be that that dark horse? I, I, I don't know. If if many people would say they're going to be a dark horse, Washington fans may say, we're not a dark horse. People know about us. They know we're going to be good. They know our defense well, is solid. Washington they know fans we return are probably sitting there going, sophomores well, what are you talking about? Dark offense. horse, we'll win it all. We're the favorites. That's that's how I'm assuming Washington fans are because when you root for your own team, unless it's like the Chicago Cubs where even when you're nine games up on the division, you still see yourselves as not the favorite because of some stupid curse. I think Washington fans see themselves as the favorite to win the division. But you bring up Utah. Let's move on into the South. Unless you have one, one last thing. One more one comment. La- one you, more you, comment. You put up that finger, not the not the one you're thinking, but you put up your index finger, and I'm like, Brandon's got one more thing he wants to say. One more comment. After a 7-6 and six season last year. 7-6 and six season last year. 10 wins? I don't. I just don't think 
that Washington fans would be too terribly upset to say, you know what, my team could be a dark horse and they could even surprise me. Mm-hmm. I just don't think so. You know, maybe maybe they are, and maybe they're telling me to go get a life somewhere. <laughs> but I, I think that— Aren't we all? Aren't we yeah, all? Oh, certainly. But I, I think that, really, this team, if their defense holds up, if their defense holds up and they play where they were last year, at the level they were playing at last year, and if they even take that up a notch, this Washington team wins the North. They win the North. Because that defense can hold off then a team like Stanford, and you can hold down a Christian McCaffrey. He'll get his. Good players always do. But if you can limit him like an Alabama limited Leonard Fournette. Or Deshaun Watson. How about that? They didn't limit Deshaun Watson. Not as much as they did Leonard Fournette. You're right. But see, that's 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 the thing. If you can limit them and take away the scorer, I don't know. I'm just. I think that this Washington team really can be good, but I don't know if everyone knows or is thinking that well, right now. It because goes, it goes back to my AP thing. Okay. You you can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them. But again, that's really what it is with mm-hmm. with all of the good athletes. Like you go up against Tom Brady in fantasy, you mm-hmm. know he's scoring twenty. You just don't want him to score thirty. Yeah. No. That's it. Especially if you got the weird. Uh, you know. Oh, that was a play over fifty yards. That's an extra ten points. You know those leagues that throw in the weird, uh, the weird Rafi you, bombs. You wouldn't, as I like to call. You them. wouldn't know anything about those oh, leagues. I, You're not in any, right? <laughs> I I was two hundred dollar buy in league that had some weird rules and two hundred dollars gone right down the drain. Well, it was a hundred of my money, hundred of Dave's money. That was the only saving grace. But let's move on into the South and let's start with the team you brought up when you were talking about Washington, Utah. They were the only other team along with Stanford last year, to have double-digit like overall wins for the entire conference. In the Pac-12, they finished 6-3. and three. Those three losses, though, we had 42-24 at USC, a double overtime, one touchdown loss to Arizona, and then a home loss 17-9 to UCLA. Everything but that Arizona loss, quality. Yeah, it was, and I think that you look at what they did last season. Utah was 10-3, and and that was their best win total since joining the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. That was back in 2011. They got to ranked number three at one point last season. Mm-hmm. Well, they started off 6-0. and Then they went 8-1, and and then they had those two losses. Well, I think that... I think that what... Utah has to be excited about. They return the guys in the trenches. Their talent up mm-hmm. front is something that they can be excited about because they're returning. They're absolutely returning, and Joe Williams coming back at running back. Six starters are back on defense. They've got their safety, Marcus Williams, cornerback, Dominique Catfield. And I think that in the grand scheme of things, Utah is going to look pretty similar to where it was last year and they're going to have Troy Williams he's going to be competing for the starting quarterback job but I still think that when you look at this team and you look that its offensive line is returning Mm -hmm. that has to be for whoever is in there at quarterback that is a good feeling for Utah now are they a team that's going to go 10 and 3 again maybe not 
but are they a team that's going to compete, be in the top three in the division? Most likely. Well, I mean, the biggest thing that they're going to have to overcome this season, and I kind of feel like a broken record because this whole podcast I've been saying two different things. It's either, oh, it's going to be their defense or it's going to be their quarterback. It's going to be their quarterback this year because, I mean, Travis Wilson, no longer there, finished with the he's the number two spot in career wins on Utah's all-time list. He's a runner, a thrower. Well, now it's going to be Troy Williams. Is he going to be the guy to kind of continue this kind of success for Utah? And for me, it's not its not necessarily like a, oh, well, you're going to be, if you're successful, you're winning the Pac-12. I would be a little bit concerned with, I read the losses before we started talking about Utah. You still got to beat USC. I don't think they're going to fall back. And you still got to beat UCLA, who I think is going to be more improved than last year with the kind of improvement and the progression of Josh Rosen. All right. Can we talk about... You want to talk about UCLA, don't you? I want to talk about first... USC? The team that I think is going to be the biggest disappointment this year. USC. And that's going to be USC. Okay. Is it because of new, new head coach Clay Helton? I don't know if it's so much because of Clay Helton. Uh, I, I think it's more so this schedule is not going to be fun for USC. They open up with Alabama. Okay? So you're screwed from the beginning. <laughs> and that's, not to, not that's to Brandon's say that, unbiased opinion. Not, not, <laughs> not to say that it won't be a good game. And then you got but Stanford. that is a really tough game to open mm-hmm. up with. You go on the road to Stanford, Week Utah, three. Washington, UCLA, and then Oregon and Notre Dame come to visit. You're fucked, dude. Like, <laughs> USC, you are screwed. And I'm not saying that they're not going to be good, but you look at, okay, Cody Kessler, he's gone, baby. Goodbye. And then who's going to be the guy who's right behind him? They don't even know. It's either going to be Max Brown or Sam Darnold. It's probably going to be Max Brown. But, but probably going to be the guy. But see, that, but they haven't even said that yet because he didn't perform mm-hmm. well enough to be able to stand on a peg higher than Darnold. So that's that's the thing. I don't even know if they're certain yet how they're going to be yet. A lot of people have them winning the South Division. Will they? They very well could. But if they do not, people don't be surprised. And I don't think it's necessarily going to be because of Clay Helton. I think usually we're looking at different player positions that are going to be the ones that are kind of eh, iffy. Right now it's the head coach. You know that's probably going to be a pretty good spot. I don't think that Clay Helton has a drinking problem. At least I don't think so, and I think their new athletic director Lynn Swan <laughs> is going to thinks that he has a uh, you know a drinking problem either. So that's I don't think going to be the problem. I think it's going to be the instability a little bit, and then and then I'm not even done yet, Ricky. I'm not even okay. done. I got one quote when you're done. Okay, when I'm done, I'm not close. So then you look at their their defense. So the back seven, okay, they're fine. But the defensive, the defensive front. What are you doing? I'm glad you don't even you know. That. You don't even know. It's all new people. So USC, they 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 have been a mm-hmm. team really since they had all of their issues after Reggae Bush and all those you know all those dudes, all that that whole era. Which they we, just have fallen. Which that's the one thing in the comment section for when we talked about Clay Helton taking over. 
a lot of people were ragging us that we did not bring up the sanctions and I thought, oh, this team would have been better if we didn't have to deal with sanctions for crimes that were way less than XYZ and they were just comparing it to like Baylor and Penn State and this and that. But I'm looking at Athlon Sports preview for the Trojans and their quote, like this little snippet in their final analysis pins it exactly for the Trojans. And I quote, there wouldn't be so much concern about a new quarterback and an inexperienced D-line if it weren't for a schedule that ranks among the toughest in the country, end quote. That's it. The schedule's tough. You got to get through that schedule. And when you have a schedule that tough, you got an inexperienced quarterback, you got an inexperienced D-line, two of the most important positions, I would say, on the football field, game over. However, I am going to give the Trojans a fighting chance, mainly because of two players who are going to be top 10 talents in the NFL when they finish this season. Juju Smith, the receiver, and Adoree Jackson. Juju Smith, just a fun name to say. And then Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, I I can't wait to see which team gets that receiver. I can't wait to see which team gets Juju. I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's Tennessee. Because I would love to see Marcus Mariota matched up with Juju on the outside. But then another another guy who you have to give credit to is the part of the defense that USC is comfortable with, and that's Adoree Jackson, you know, mm-hmm. as, as a corner mm-hmm. cornerback. He is a guy who can absolutely compete for any ball that's Pure up in the air. Athleticism. He's Pure great. athleticism. He's great. And I think that if if USC can shore up that front seven. Of the defense, I, I I think that that's going to be huge, and I, I I think that they're they're the back. It's like the back end of the rotation in baseball. The back mm-hmm. end of the rotation is good, but who who are the, who are the who are the starters? You know, at the front to get to the back. You know what I mean? Is it's it's kind of a terrible comparison, but it's what I came up with. It was Ricky esque, I'd like to think, <laughs> but um, I think that if they can really get at least some stability. In, in that in that defensive line, I, I think that they could be good. But the reason the reason why I really put them as the biggest disappointment is because of all the question marks. Mm-hmm. Not even on one side of the football. It's on both sides of the football. It's who's going to be the quarterback. It's you know, obviously you have a great wide receiver in, in Smith Schuster. You have really good guys, you know, in in the cornerback position, safety position, stuff like that, but who is going to be the anchor on that defensive front? And you don't know. And I think that that is why USC has the biggest opportunity. That and because of all the games that they're going to be playing against some really tough teams, those things all compared to, all kind of jumbled together in a, in a big package. Nothing nice about it for USC. That is the reason why I think they very well could be the biggest Pac-12 disappointment of the season. Before we move on to the last team I want to talk about before we get into predictions, the key stat for the Trojans this year, 99. That's the combined win total in 2015 for all 12 opponents on USC's schedule. 99 wins with all the 12 teams they're going to play. And we look at their tough schedule. I move over to Josh Rosen and UCLA. I look at their schedule, and it's the exact opposite. They start the season off at Texas A&M. You're saying, well, Ricky, that's a tough game. 
Not this Texas A&M. Not with the Texas A&M team that the only thing that they have is Miles Garrett. That's it. Top three pick in the draft this year if he plays well. That's it. That's all they've got. Then they get an easy UNLV game. They'll beat the running Rebels. They might get a kind of like tough game against BYU just because of what we saw last year. But I think UCLA beats them more convincingly. In the Pac-12, though, their, their toughest games, September 24th at home against Stanford. And then we're looking October 22nd at home against Utah. Maybe Washington State beats them if Washington State plays well. But Arizona, win. Arizona State, win. Colorado, win. Oregon State, are you fucking kidding me? Cal, that's a win. Maybe the Trojans, but I'll still give it to Josh Rosen at this point. Two games, that's all I'm worried about. Stanford and Utah, that's it. That's it. That's all I'm worried about with this team. That's it. So you're not worried about UCLA? Well, this is UCLA I'm talking about. Oh, I thought you were still talking about USC. No, 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 I'm talking about UCLA. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, agree I, with I you. was like, Brandon, how can I be worried about them? They don't play themselves. Uh, sorry, I, the spring clearly, game, spring I game, clearly had tuned out. Spring game's already over, Brandon. Spring game's already over. But yeah, this is my team that, hey, they could be the one to win the South this year. I mean, they have a very big fighting chance because if USC is... If they do struggle, like I do believe they will, who's going to be the team that goes shoots right up? The team without a quarterback question. It's going to be UCLA. 245 is the stat I'm throwing out there. Passes Josh Rosen through without an INT. 245 passes without an INT. UCLA, baby. Insane, UCLA. baby. Yeah. Insane. 8-5 eight, eight and five last year. They exceed that this year. Absolutely. So we're, we're, we're just going to move right on. We're going to power through the last part. We'll start with the North again, then we'll go into the South, then we'll give our prediction for the title game. Who wins the North? I'm just going to come out and say it. Who is king of the North in the Pac-12? Can I be wrong and then change? Can I be a Ricky? Can I be wrong now, change it later, and go, told you they were going to win? No, no. Only I can do that. Only I have the power to do that. Only Ricky has the power to be a pain well, in the I ass. I mean, it's... When you, when you got to curse like the kiss of death, you got to be able to change and you do, your remember remember I fans, remember teams. listeners you do not want Ricky to pick your team because <laughs> if he does you're screwed. But it's only I believe it's only for national championships. I don't know if it's for I don't think so. I think it's pretty much for anything I I you picked, predict. I think I picked Oregon last. year, I think year it's for too. anything you predict. Yep. Who do you got? Who do you got winning the North? You know this is really <laughs> this is really tough. I I think that. Christian McCaffrey is going to absolutely, he's going to absolutely anchor Stanford all season long. But it's not enough. Washington. I'm going to go with Stanford. I think they're just going to be able to do what needs to be done to win that division. They'll probably win it over Washington by a game. I think Oregon struggles, though. In the South? I think that, here's my thing. Go Hold ahead, on, I go got ahead. the finger up again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, for, you love that for, finger, for, don't you? Yep, I, I do. Two of them sometimes work better. Yeah. But um, I think that... <laughs> go ahead, I, I go ahead. I couldn't, hold, I couldn't hold it, I couldn't hold it. So I think that Washington has less, they have less question marks, mm-hmm. especially on defense. Washington's defense is a sure thing, and uh, you know what they say... Christian McCaffrey. That's a, he's gonna could be a Heisman winner this year. Not gonna go ahead and uh, actually, make that bold Ricky, prediction. Actually, Ricky, you're wrong. They don't say Christian McCaffrey. They say defense wins championships, and sometimes <laughs> Pac Pac twelve uh, uh, North North Division titles. 
So, so, so you call in uh, Huskies for the championship? I'm gonna. I'm going to say. So on shoe win, you should basically buy the Huskies. You should bid on the Huskies. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, on shoe win, on shoe win, mm-hmm. get the Huskies. But on shoe out, I would not pick them. <laughs> I would not pick Washington. What about the South? I'm going to go with you. I'm having a Stanford UCLA Pac-12 title game. That that's that that's it. It's going to be the Bruins and the Cardinal in the I'm, Pac-12 title I'm, game. Unfortunately, I have to be be. With, I'm not with you on totally, but I, I am with you on 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 UC. L and A. UCLA. Yes, yeah. I, I'm with you on UCLA. UCLA against Washington, and uh, we'll see what happens. I'm going to pick UCLA. You're going to pick, pick, you're gonna the pick them right now? Yeah. UCLA over Stanford, and guess what? We're still seeing after. You know how I said I'm not ready to make that bold prediction for Christian McCaffrey? It's because I'm going to make this bold prediction. We're still going to see that asshole standing behind him when he loses to Josh Rosen going, Heisman! Heisman, and then we're gonna Heisman. have, and then when he doesn't win the Heisman again this year, everyone's gonna go, "Oh, he should have won it." He's that a was gr- annoying as he's all a, can be. He's a great player. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Shouldn't have won the Heisman. Yeah, shouldn't have won the Heisman. Yeah. I mean, maybe he has a season that can do it this year. I don't think it happens. Uh, right now, my early bid would have to be Leonard Fournette, but that is going to do it for our Pac-12. Pac-12 preview, and I, I pause for a second because Brandon, we're, we're starting a new segment here at the end of these Pac-12 t- or these primetime podcasts. Got any uh, pop culture for me? You to know, end the podcast. You know, Ricky, uh, I do, of course. Any Jan- Jennifer and, Aniston breaking news for me? No, no breaking news with Jennifer okay. Aniston. Not today. Cool. Um, as as some people would think, she's still <laughs> hot at fifty years old, but. Uh, the breaking news in today is that the FBI director, James B. Comey, said Tuesday that the Bureau, that is the Bureau, the FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation, yeah. would not recommend criminal charges against Hillary Clinton for her Ooh. handling of classified information when she was Secretary of State, lifting an enormous legal cloud from her presidential campaign less than two hours before she boarded Air Force One. For her first joint campaign appearance with President Barack Obama, Trump ain't happy and, and, about and, that. And, baby. and you know what? I, you know what I have to say to that is that if it, it, it continues, it continues here in America that if you have money and power, you can get away with just about anything you want. Hillary Clinton is a lion, son of a bitch. And and uh, and then on the other side, you have to look, uh, of course, at Donald Trump. And uh, for someone who wants all Hispanics uh, out of the country and then a wall built, uh, I have a recommendation for the country. Barack Obama, how about you just, before you leave office, say, folks, I am going to do an executive order. I am now president for the next four years. Barack Obama, 2016. That's what I'm saying, because guess what? We have no better choice. And that's coming from Brandon, who cannot stand Mr. Barack Obama, but that's going to do it for the Primetime Podcast this week. We ended a little politically on this one. You're trying to uh, catch me off guard, Brandon, but if you're on SoundCloud, go ahead and hit that repost, that heart button. Like and subscribe on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Ricky Widmer. Brandon is at Young underscore Swan 19. Most Valuable Podcast is at Most Valuable Pod. Go check us out on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Most Valuable Podcast. We will talk to you guys next week, but as always, Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.